Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Andrew Washburn. And I'm Jen Swift. And this is the Craft and Culture Podcast. Craft and Culture is a podcast dedicated to helping worship and production members refine their technical and musical craft and develop a thriving creative culture in their church and community. Each of us has a part to play. You and I both build the kingdom with our craft and our culture. What's going on, everybody? It is a good day today. We have a special podcast episode, and I have a special guest. He's a good friend, a great man, a good father, lots of other things. Author, priest, pastor, reverend, whatever you want to call him. You could probably call him those things because he's done so many things. But Brian Mann is joining us today. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm super excited to be here. It's good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, we are actually FaceTiming while we're recording this. So we might say things like we see each other. You can't see him, but he's a great looking guy, too. So, you know, <laughs> sorry about sorry that you can't see him. You're just going to have to trust him on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh I wanted to do a podcast with Brian because he has a ton of experience that is just, I don't know, I just think it's so amazing, some of the things that he's been through. And uh, so we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about his story. And we want to focus on a little bit as well, you know, why we do what we do as production people. Uh, why is this so important? Why is it so important to do it well? And the difference that it can really make. And uh, so we're just going to chat a little bit and want to take you guys on the journey with us. So hang on. Here we go. So, Brian, uh, like, how did you how did you even I don't even remember this necessarily from, you know, our past relationship. But like, how did you even get started in production to begin with? Yeah. So I was raised in the church. My dad was an associate pastor. And when I was about 14 or 15, our, our church was large enough that it was on local TV uh, back in the day, we thought we were a pretty big deal. That's awesome. <laughs> we were on local TV in North Carolina. And, uh, so they had like a, they had cameras in the room and they had hired a production company to come and do kind of, you know, just basically like capture the service. So from a pretty early age, like high school, uh, I started running camera. They had four cameras. I was like the audience shot. So like, that's the most like if someone's training or has no idea what we're, they're doing, which is me, <laughs> like that's what you put them on the audience cam because you only yeah, like just capture the people go to that like every 10th or 11th shot or whatever. So <laughs> so I, I I grew up as a musician, so I was used to sort of being in front of people, but I really liked the the behind the scenes aspect. And so, yeah, I got kind of my hands on a camera and liked that. And then I started running lights, uh, our our uh, church uh, did these big productions at Christmas and Easter. That was a thing back in the day. And, uh, so yeah, I, I just, I kind of got a couple sort of low risk opportunities as a, as a high schooler to kind of get my, you know, find my way around a light lighting board or camera. And, yeah, great uh, way to start. Totally. And I, yeah. I think that's actually kind of, um, that's just so important. I think, especially at that age, you find your people at that age, uh, you kind of sort of you're just test driving a lot of things. And for me, I just really liked that production aspect that I could sort of figure out how to do something. You know, production is always this mixture of like personal talents and gifting, but like craft, like there's a way to yeah. do it well. And so there were people around to say, hey, you know, when you're running lights, you know what I mean? 
like here's kind of how you light a scene and here's how you go with the music and so mm-hmm. it's just kind of like it was an early entry for me so uh that was really it and then um i didn't i was a musician i played the piano i started writing music i was a huge john williams uh movie score fan yeah didn't really know what i wanted to do and so i was just like well let's let's go figure out how to write movie you know movie music yeah so um yeah i went to i started out in college in new york and then uh had a conversation with my professor at our music school he's like what do you want to do with this i'm like well i want to write movie music he's like well you should you should move to la that's where they do (laughs) of course so uh, <laughs> somehow I, I landed in the the film scoring program at USC uh, down in Los Angeles. That's um, awesome. Kind of learned the whole sort of post-production process, but as a, as a musician. And um, there was this kind of mixture of tech and sort of production with music as well. And so I got to work uh, in the industry down there for about five years or so and uh, come along. So I did a lot of assistant jobs with composers and um, just kind of figuring out how that whole end of the end of the business works. Music is usually the last thing that happens on a film. And so a lot of this stuff is already kind of figured out. And so as a musician, you're kind of trying to work with a director and what does each scene need? And I just, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, sounds <laughs> but, like um, it. <laughs> yeah, but I was, I usually wasn't the one under the gun. I was just like assisting other composers and getting them Starbucks and, Sitting in the, you know, sitting in the, the important stuff, the important yeah, stuff. totally just keeping everybody happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just I got to observe kind of how things work. And I think that's that's a super important part of production is you, you know, you can study it. You can kind of get a theory of how things should go. But like you kind of learn by doing and you learn you pick up the if you're paying attention, you pick up the big stuff by observing and watching, oh, okay, that's how they do that. Like, that's how they, you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of the craft too. And it's interesting because that's kind of how Jesus taught people is just like, hey, come here, watch this, you know? And he took them on the journey with him. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a theory. It was like, hey, I'm going to do this. And he kind of unpacked it later, but they saw um, him do something. So I think that's, to me, I, I didn't pick up everything. I was pretty young. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of, kind of dumb, but you know, every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, I think that's kind of how that works. And so over time, you just pick up these things that later in your life become sort of instincts of like, yeah, I think I know how, like, I know a solution to this. And creativity is kind of problem solving. So, so anyway, so was in L.A. for a while um, and then, um, yeah, started, got real plugged in with the local church uh, down there, joined their staff uh, and then moved here to the Bay Area. Uh, went into full-time uh, ministry, which is never something I was thinking of doing, but uh, <laughs> got a great opportunity up here at a church uh, in Silicon Valley. Uh, did lots of music production, continued writing film uh, music stuff. Um, and then just kind of out of the blue, we sensed this call one day from God um, to start praying about Europe and specifically the country of Sweden. And it's was so out of the blue and so not on the like radar that it just it, we were either losing our minds or it was a God, God yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been there. So been there. <laughs> we were like, okay, well, if it's a God thing, like we want to talk to people about, you know, what it's like to do ministry there. And my wife yeah. and I had both done youth ministry. And so it was something that was important to us. I'd 
gone to Europe a couple of times on music trips and had always loved it. And when you're a classical musician, there's always this connection to Europe. So anyway, we kind of went on a limb and um, w- figured out which organization we were going to go through. We raised support and we moved to Sweden um, when we were kind of, we had been married two or three years. And um, I had no idea what we were really going to do. We ended up doing youth ministry. And then a year later, I joined the production staff of a a youth ministry there called Teen Street. It was like a big conference that they did um, every year. They now do about 25 of them all over the world. But back then they did a few and there was a big one in Germany, about 5,000 kids from 25 different countries. And uh, they needed help. They needed like a production manager and a creative director and Unlike here, where you would hire somebody to do that with a huge resume on the mission field, they're like, here you go. <laughs> like, you yeah. almost figure it out. So, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I kind of sort of everything that I had kind of learned on the music side of post production, I just kind of hacked my way through figuring out how to produce events and how to, you know, kind of make a film, like coddle a film together and editing. And, yeah. Um, I kind of faked my way until somebody showed me like, actually, there's a way easier way to do what you're trying to oh, do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but there again, just like when I was a kid, I got a chance to do something before I was good at it. And I had enough people around me to be to help me get better at it. Because I think we're talking about production. It, you, you learn by doing and you learn by observing. Yeah. And the only way you get better is somebody gives you a chance to try it. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, so did that for a long time and loved it. And then, um, for the last probably 15, 16 years, I've just been in a variety of churches doing as a creative director. Uh, I produce a lot of, uh, films. I do kind of marketing films and promotional stuff, work with churches. I worked with Hillside up there in Napa for a little bit. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah. And just kind of, uh, again, helping people with this this whole thing of production. Uh, I really love storytelling as well in the local church. I just think there's a huge uh, kind of opportunity uh, for God to work through that. So, yeah, I've just, I've like you said, I've, I've done a lot. I've kind of been, you know, involved in a whole bunch of different things. My resume is really hard to follow because it's just <laughs> sort of, I'm kind of up for whatever God puts on my, um, on my plate next. But, yeah, I love it all. Yeah, I mean, it's even though it's hard, it's kind of the best place to be, though. You know, God sends you to a new thing and it might be a shock to the system at first. Like you're saying, either you're losing your mind or God was calling you somewhere. <laughs> totally, yeah. But then when you go, like, you know, obviously pray through it and whatever. But when you go and you feel God's confirming that and you do it, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, it's that it's not too many other places that are better than that to be, you know, as you're walking the journey. So. That's so awesome. And yeah, Brian did uh, serve at Hillside for a while. He was a big part of Pastor Jen and I going through the transition of um, walking into the positions that we are in now. He actually kind of walked that journey with us and was a huge help and, uh, you know, helped us with our perspectives as we were walking in because he has done so much and stuff. So he came in and, you know, kind of came in at the perfect time. He also killed it on keys a bit. While he was here, every once in a while we'd get him up on stage and it was always awesome to have him play keys. But uh, so coming out of all of those things, you're stepping into the stuff you're doing now. Um, uh, before we you know, started on the podcast here, we were chatting and you're working with some 
some pretty big people that are well known in the Christian world and the church world. And so what would you say, like, what are some of the things that you learned back in the day that still are just so integral in what you're what you're doing now, even though you've made it, quote unquote, you know, like not, I know you don't feel that way necessarily, but you know, you've got some really cool gigs that you, that people reach out to you for, and it's it's pretty awesome. But what are some of those things that are foundational that you've learned back in the day in that season of, man, I was really not good at that, but I, I got to try it, you know? What would you say are some of those things that carry over to now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say first, just, you know, whether you're talking about production, any aspect of production, film, you're doing worship, you're, you know, in a studio recording music or whatever, um, all those relationships are based on trust and they mm. only work if there's good kind of relational trust. The minute trust is not there is the, is the very minute that like those things start to fall down and no amount of yeah, like expertise or experience or good, you know, budget or whatever can fix that. So that is what I've learned first and foremost is, you know, any team, any church staff, any ministry team, you know, it's better if there's trust in the bank than if not. But it, particularly in a creative process, it just all starts to fall apart if there's no trust. So part yeah, of it true. for me as a producer, uh, and producer can mean a lot of different things. Um, typically for me, what it means is partnering with somebody who's trying to achieve something, right? And I yeah, always think yeah, of sure. like, production helps you close the difference between an idea and an audience, right? So mm -hmm. that journey between like, I have this sense or I have this idea or I want to tell this story or I want people to know something. So we, we start there with whoever that is and then we think about an audience and anything that bridges the gap or closes the difference is production, right? It's the, it's the work that makes the idea actually work in real life. Yeah. And yeah. so it doesn't really matter kind of what the format is or what the details are, how big or small your team or your budget is, that's what production is. So what I've learned is that there's, you can do it well <laughs> uh, and you can do it, you can do a crappy job of it too. And part of what separates it, I, like over the years I've seen, it's this mixture of two things. It's um, intuition which is just kind of a like a spidey sense of like, this is going to work or this is not going to work, right? Yeah. Uh, just a gut level, like, <sighs> I hear what you're trying to say, but I just don't, you know what I mean? This is too out there. People aren't going to track with it. Or, yeah, this is great. It might need some work. You know, just that that early sense. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Of just like, mm -hmm. either this works or it doesn't. So it's a mixture of that intuition and then execution, right? And you kind of have to have both. Like execution is, okay, well, if it's going to work, how will it work? And that's where you get in all the how questions of mm -hmm. how many cameras and how many mics and how much time and what's the budget and all the kind of mechanics are part of your execution. So uh, most people are better at one of those things than the other. Um, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they kind of have a good sense of like what an audience will respond to, that, that instinct or intuition. But they may need some backup, and that's where a really good team um, is great. Um, yeah. But yeah, you've you've probably seen videos or 
you know what I mean? Um, ideas where like you could tell like, okay, I, I can see what they were trying to do, but it wasn't executed very well. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I bet that was a great fun meeting <laughs> when everyone got together and be like, you know, it'd be hilarious. Like I did a lot of youth group videos back in yep. the day. And so like, that's just a classic, <laughs> like not great instincts and then like mediocre execution. Right. So yeah. that just covers like most youth group stuff. And it's fine. Cause who cares? Like as long as it gets a laugh or, but, um, yeah, I've, you know, I, I remember, I'm, I may get in trouble for saying this on the podcast, but a, a month ago, that church that like tried to rip off Hamilton, do you remember this? Like it was in the oh, news, yes. like some church in Texas, like was like, you know, it'd be awesome. Like, let's just do like Jesus Hamilton. And you just be like, that's not good instincts. Like that's not good intuition. Yeah. I don't care who you call in to produce that. You could spend millions of dollars on it. That's fundamentally like a lack of reading the room right yeah so, yeah <laughs> so you kind of you know what i mean i would i'm as a producer i'd be fascinated to hear like be a fly on the wall on that uh, you know meeting because it's just like who what who thought this was great yeah so um and i think like in a church sometimes you know this is kind of where the rubber meets the road right like if it's only one senior leader that ha has is supposed to be the golden gut and has all the intuition mm -hmm. And they don't invite someone else to sort of kind of be a sounding board or kind of knock some of the some of the stupid off of some of these yeah, ideas. Yeah. You no, know, early true. on, um, again, you're already if if you don't have good instincts, you're already kind of flying blind when it comes to production. And a lot of people I talk to, if they're frustrated or they kind of feel like, you know, they were excited about a, a thing they're doing, but now they're not, you can almost always trace it back to like how does that process start? Are you just handed a project and you just kind of have to figure it out? Or do you get to be part of that instinctive process of helping, helping kind of shape the idea or at least having ownership of it before you go and execute it? And again, execution is huge um, yeah. because the details all matter. Um, and again, we've all seen something that was poorly executed, but was probably a good idea. So it's, it's that combination of both. And I think, again, like this is really where a good team is like magic when it comes to production, because, yeah, you know, true. we've all seen something or been in a concert or in a worship service where like somebody knows exactly what they're doing here. It's like when you go to a great restaurant and you're like someone in the kitchen is killing it right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> they they're not trying anything. They just came in and they were in the zone and they're just knocking it out because you could just you can taste the difference. You can feel the difference. And in, in production, if you're, if you got good instincts and high level execution, um, there's like no end to what you can do. So I think that's the zone. Most people who do this work cause it's hard work. Um, that's the zone most people want to stay in. So, um, yeah. I don't ever, definitely don't hit it every time, but I've at least <laughs> identified, like, I, I try to be the executor who gets with people with good instincts, if that makes yeah. sense. So, anyway. Yeah, and, you know, applying that to what we do every single Sunday, um, you know, we cannot do what we do here at Hillside or any other church without the team. And so if you are listening to this and you're on the team, thank you so much. Uh, we really can't do it without you guys. And, you know, I, as you were kind of saying that that part, I was also thinking what's what's really cool is the world, you know, there's some extremely high-level production things you know they sound amazing they look amazing um but what's amazing about what we get to do is not only do we have 
you know, that that pre-meeting, the idea, the inspiration, all that. And then we have execution, all that. But we also get to walk with the Holy Spirit. So there's times where maybe it's a good idea, but it's not for your people or whatever, you know. Or like you totally. said, you know, reading the room uh, could be a great idea for somebody else's church, but maybe not yours. <laughs> so like learning, learning your people. And we've talked about that on some past uh, podcast episodes as well. Knowing your people, knowing what will work. You know, being led by the Spirit is also just an amazing gift in the midst of everything that we do. Because you're right. I mean, you can have a fantastic idea and do a and do a really weird job on it, and it sets <laughs> such a weird mood in the room. You know, and you want people to encounter Jesus, and they're confused as to why, you know, Jesus is dressing up like Hamilton or whatever. You know, or I saw another one where it was um, a church. I want to say it was like Easter or something. And it, they were they were doing the crucifixion story as if the Avengers were the ones acting out the, <laughs> and so Jesus was Iron Man. Like, I get that you want to reach your people, but like yeah. you're, now you're distracting people that's with just, Iron Man on a cross. You know, that's a reigning in um, kind of moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, it's so like this is why I go back to like there's an idea and there's an audience, right? Yeah. And so like production is meant to close that distance, right? So. You know, it's tough if it's a bad idea to begin with. Um, but I think that's what you're always trying to do in those in those movements in moments and particularly in in worship is you really are trying to remove distractions. You're trying yeah. to bring people in. You're trying to also we're just so distracted all the time now. Um, and every moment is just a scroll on a phone or just a, an alert or a text that you have people's undivided attention which is one of those gifts I think in ministry that we don't really think about. We're always looking at like, oh my gosh, like look at that Avengers thing. Or man, if I just had a 6K <laughs> camera instead of a 4K camera, if I had this lens as opposed to that lens, what you have is what almost no other creators have, which is a which is a, a captive audience. People who took a shower and got in their car and came to church ready to like encounter hope like that's amazing yeah. like people don't even go to movie theaters anymore um True. you know what i mean yeah. everything's so fragmented so i think a lot of times we have this like wrong perspective in production of like it's this scarcity mentality of like yeah we didn't get the budget we asked for yeah you know what i mean we're kind of working with volunteers not you know pros and so it, but actually, it's just kind of like, well, God has just given you a room full of people who need to encounter a story of hope. And that's actually pretty, that's an amazing gift. And so if you can use your gifts of production to like close the distance between what God wants to say and what people need to hear, um, that's a pretty great vision for production. Then it doesn't, then it's not this like, oh, I kind of wish, but we don't have it. It's kind of like, no, this is an amazing opportunity. Um, and I would also say too, like, this is what churches have, what spiritual communities have that doesn't exist in the rest of the world is you have this community that can help people grow and grow mm -hmm. in their faith. And I've seen you do this so well at, at Hillside is you, you grow in your faith, but you also grow in a craft as well. Um, mm, and you get yeah. better at it as you get a chance to do more and more and more in you know, I, there's no way I'd be doing any of what I'm doing now had someone not like given me the the chance to like test drive a camera or test drive a lighting board, you know what I mean, or a soundboard or whatever. It's kind yeah. of like that's that's a bigger deal than it seems. And so there's that yeah, community sure. aspect of people who can 
kind of help you like improve your game, <laughs> but also connect it back to like, there's a higher purpose of what we're doing. And I can't tell you the number of people I now work with out in the corporate world who are just kind of starving for that, honestly. They're really good at what they do. Um, they do kind of one thing really, really, really well. And they work on a good team, maybe or maybe not, but they just don't have that level of input um, that I think we sometimes take advantage or take for granted yeah. uh, in the church. And it's just super important, I think, because production's hard and it's just takes all your energy and it's super exhausting. <laughs> so <laughs> to do it in community is like the best thing you could ever ask for. Seriously. Yeah, we did um, we did a retreat earlier this year. And that was one of the things that we focused in on kind of the last it was like a you know day and a half thing that we did. And uh, that was that was our focus at the end was like, you are not alone. You're not in this alone. We have a community. We're in this together. Um, that's great, man. That's so good. I, I As you were saying that, I was thinking of a devotional I read recently about comparison. And I think sometimes without realizing it, we can fall into the comparison trap. That's what the devotional is called, comparison trap. And you can fall into that without realizing it. So then you're looking at these things these other churches are doing. And I think that influences the idea that you go that you think is a good idea instead of maybe fully being just led by the Spirit or whatever. I think sometimes we can be comparing, oh, they're doing this thing. Let's bring that into ours. It's a good idea. It's working for them. And maybe it's not, you know. Um, but yeah, that, man, that stuff's great. So if you were to, another question here, if you were to put in just a couple sentences, the importance of what we do in the production world. I really liked what you said, like you, you're kind of the middle ground between what God's trying to say and what people need to hear. Maybe that's your answer, but um, you know, if there's anything else you want to add, like what is, if you were to kind of put in a short statement, what is the importance of this world? Um, you know, cause it would be a lot different if production wasn't a part of what we do in church, you know? Yeah. We'd be going out on the water and shouting across the water like they used to do in the Bible so it, their voice would carry or whatever, you know? <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore. But yeah, well, I'm interested to see what you would say to that. Yeah, I mean, I you know, when you say that, it's funny. I was watching a documentary um, a couple of months ago about like when people used to run for president, like before the microphone, like all politicians had this like kind of shrill shouting voice because that's how you, you had to talk to a big crowd of people. Oh, and so yeah. it's very like, it was very common for presidential candidates to lose their voice. And so the first president that like didn't do that was Franklin Roosevelt. And this is kind of the age of radio. And he used to do these fireside chats and kind of talk to the country about the depression and how finance worked. And then when the war happened, like, get out your maps. This is where the troops are, you know, all this sort of stuff. Wow. He was the first yeah, like awesome. communicator to use them to, to see, Oh, I'm using a microphone. I don't have to shout. I can just speak. I can just be me. And that was so important for the country because a is good communicator, but he was just so good at storytelling and explaining things and clarifying things and getting everybody on the same page. And so you know, I always watch those documentaries and I always think about like, well, who's the guy with the headphones, you know, and the technology and like, what's the, <laughs> what's the kind of quickly hacked together, like rig that yeah. like, you know, was the bridge, the gap between what he was saying, what everyone needed to hear. And again, that's what I think of production is this bridge. Right. Yeah. And so part of that is just getting to know 
how do you work? How do you, what's your contribution? You know what I mean? And knowing that that's not your identity, that you're a whole person, even if you didn't do something well, like God created you uniquely and your identity is not what you do, but what you do can be a gift and a blessing to the community that you're in. It can also be a real hindrance to the community that you're in. Um, and <laughs> you and I both know the difference of how that feels. People who are operating in a gifting, but but really offering that as a as a blessing and yeah. not sort of pushing that on people. Um, Makes a huge I, difference. Yeah, exactly. And again, that that affects the trust of the team. So yeah. I think it's just understanding the gifts that you've been given the experience and the perspective and then being open-handed and saying, God, how do you want to, how do you want to use that? And the people I've encountered who were just, you know, I think what we all kind of aspire to be just really like this wonderful combination of super talented and super easy to work with are people who have kind of had a good grounding of their, of their call of their identity, mm -hmm. but also they're not going to force an issue. They're going to offer, insight, but they're not going to like make you do things a certain way. And they're, they're just going to free up a communicator or a pastor or a storyteller or whoever to be who God's called them to be so that they can, you know what I mean? They can kind yeah. of bring forward this story or this message to people who need to hear it. So it really is this kind of, you can almost think of it like a translation process. Like we lived abroad for a while and I used to teach at youth group and um, how things would go would always depend on my translator. Right. So before we learned, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. We lived in Sweden. <laughs> so before we learned Swedish and none of our kids wanted it, they all wanted to speak English, but when we would teach, we would use a translator. And so some translators just kind of could really follow a flow. And so it just helped made, made speaking and preaching and all that sort of stuff, just so much easier. And then you just get somebody who, was just as gifted, but just, you could tell, like, they just, I don't know, they, they, they kind of trip up the flow a little bit. Yeah. And so I yeah. think the same thing, it's very similar to production, right? Like you can, your job is to sort of help this make sense. You're, you to help the story land, to help this moment be something that people can enter into without distractions. And um, I think that just takes discernment over time. Uh, what's your place mm -hmm. on the team and, and what does God have, you know? Um, and for me, I've, I've done it in so many different settings that I've just, the best thing for me is just to just ask God and just be like, I don't really know what they need here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I'm not going to like, when I was at Hillside, like there were things you guys needed. And then there's things I do that you guys definitely didn't really need or didn't really translate. So yeah. I think that's that's what I've learned. You asked for a few words. I've been talking forever, but um, no, you're good. That's, you're good. that's kind of what I've learned in terms of how to approach this and sort of that's the gift of production um, to a team or to a ministry. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That was really good. I would say that I see you as one of those people that has the, a really good balance. Um, which was very inspiring. Like, you know, getting around people also inspires you to become a person like that. Um, so it's very inspiring. But I'm I'm sure that's a big reason why God is blessing you in all your endeavors and all that stuff. Because you're you're coming in and you're like, all right, Lord, I want to be I want to do the right thing. You know, I don't just want to like crash my way in here. You know, uh, you did that very well while you were Appreciate here. Appreciate it. So I have one last 
question for you, and then we'll wrap up. We might have to do another one of these sometimes because you're right. I, we could talk about this stuff all day long. I feel totally. like we could do another like an hour of this or something. <laughs> um, so last question for today. You're you got some some other skills that we have not talked about. You are a pretty good cook <laughs> from my experience. At least you got some specialty things. My question is, have you learned any great dishes that you want to share with the people that we should go out and try to oh, get close to replicating the way that you oh, have made them? Dude. Wow. Um, <laughs> if I recall, I'm for the creative team at Hillside, we did a lot of poke bowls. Um, yeah, that was a big one. We would go to your house and you'd rock totally. those things. They were Which is good. just not, it's, it's a, so I'm Italian. So like in Italian culture, like the men cook, um, that's just a very sort of normal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've, and with particularly as I mentioned, when we moved abroad to the mission field, we couldn't really afford to eat out like on a missionary <laughs> salary yeah, or whatever. Course. So I got, we got way better at cooking, uh, cause we would stay in. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we've, since we've been in California, we've been big into the poke bowls. Um, you know, my, my kids love sushi. And so poke is kind of like lazy sushi, basically <laughs> you just sort yeah, of yeah. <laughs> marinate all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've done anything new recently. I love pasta because it's just this, like this whole, the whole process is just very, it's very grounding for me. I think I work, you know, I do a lot of video editing. It's all very virtual and I'm staring at pixels all day. So it's kind of nice to get my hands in the, you know what I mean? If I'm making fresh pasta into like the, the flour yeah. and the, you know, eggs and all that sort of stuff, it's just, it's very, very healing for me. For whatever reason that's cool um i've gotten into middle eastern food lately actually believe okay. it or not so we we uh i got a chance to go to israel a bunch of times um about three or four years ago on a number of projects and just totally fell in love with like israeli <laughs> israel israel kind of feels like california um uh, like climate okay. wise it's a lot like I Napa. Guess that. yeah it's it's you think middle east and you think like desert and there's definitely parts of it that are like that but towards the Mediterranean, it it starts to feel totally like California. So a lot of things that grow well here grow well there. And so like it's just super good, like salads and uh, like good marinated like chicken, lamb and like meats and like flatbreads and a bit of hummus and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of I, I like any kind of food that just makes people happy and that like <laughs> starts a good conversation around the table. And um, yeah. Middle Eastern food, what I like is unlike Italian food, which is more my like sweet spot where you just ha- you have a big plate of, you know, meatballs or chicken or whatever. Yeah. Um, in the Middle East, they, there's a ton of like little finger foods and you're constantly just reaching mm. across the table. And there's just something beautiful, I think, about that kind of having everybody around the table because it's just it's more casual and you're having to like acknowledge like there's other people there. Like it's not just you at your place and they're yeah, at their yeah. place. It's kind <laughs> of like it's a little more chaotic. And yeah, so I, I just, that's, that's the vibe I like to go for, um, whenever I'm cooking, but I, I go to Trader Joe's and I cheat a lot too and get all the frozen stuff and the pre-marinated <laughs> stuff. And that seems to work in my family as well. So uh, if it works, it works, man. It. If it, but it's Trader Joe's is amazing. I was even tweeting about this a couple of days ago. <laughs> Like I was asking people, well, like, what brands do you trust? And for me, like top of the list is Trader Joe's. We're about to move to the East Coast, so we're leaving California, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. Uh, going to Atlanta. But um, Trader Joe's is at the top of the list of, like, all of the houses that we're looking at. We're like, how far is it to Trader Joe's? Because 
Hey, that's <laughs> that's like our Cal. That's our California. Like we have to have this. That is um, awesome. But also, like, it's kind of they're just good at making you seem like a pro. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of yeah, good stuff yeah. you just pick up and throw in the oven or throw in the stove. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. it's just like, my gosh, this is so good. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no, I love you. I spent a lot of time on this. So Trader, yeah. Joe's, <laughs> Trader Joe's makes you look like a genius. And that's what a good producer is supposed to do, you know, to somebody who's, you know what I mean? You're supposed to make them look good. You're supposed to make them look like they know what they're doing. So Trader Joe's is like my food producer, production manager, whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know what a way to question, wrap that yeah. up. There you go. Finish it up with tying it all together. A little bow on Trader top, Joe's. Just for you. What was that? Tra uh, just a little bow on top just to wrap that up tight. Seriously, Trader Joe's is the producer of the food world. The producer That is producer. awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Brian, for jumping on here with me. I think we'll have to do another one of these sometimes. So great talking with you, man. Anytime. Uh, we are definitely praying for you guys as you move out to Atlanta. And believe that God's got some really great stuff for you guys. And for all of you listening to the podcast, thank you for joining today. Make sure to keep watching out for the next episode after this one. Hope you have a great day. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>